Good intentions do not make up for Federation crimes. Good intentions? I know my prior statements about my experience with the accused were unusual, to say the least. But one year ago, not one of them had ever heard of the United Federation of Planets. Yet through fate, engineered by their own ingenuity, they set their compass to Starfleet. And without their intervention, I cannot say with certainty if all of us would be sitting here right now. Go get him, Janeway. Hello and welcome to Strange New Takes. I'm your host, Notch Carnegie, with me on trial for stealing a starship are... <laughs> Bill Woywad. And Emily Bowen Marler. Welcome to Strange New Takes. Today we'll be sharing a recap of the Star Trek Prodigy episode, Supernova Part 2. Before we do anything else, we want to remind you to follow us on social media. We are at Strange New Takes on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Tell your friends about us, and hey, give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Because then maybe more people will learn about us and have fun with us as we recap these episodes. And as usual, if you haven't watched Supernova Part 2, maybe go do that before you listen to this episode because we're going to be spoiling it. We're going to be spoiling a lot of other things related to Star Trek as well. You've now been warned. All right. Well, as Bill mentioned earlier, we're talking about Supernova Part 2. It's the 20th episode of Season 1 of Star Trek Prodigy. It is the season finale. First aired on the 29th of December 2022, whatever we in the year. It was written by Kevin and Dan Hageman and directed by Ben Hibben. Its in-universe date is 2384. We always start our episodes with our strange new takes, and that's what we're going to do. I'm going to go first. Uh, I had my first visit to Mexico City this past week, and I wanted to give you a brief, brief review in that this is not a place you go to to relax. Like... <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you could if you wanted to, but like, there's not like beautiful scenery or anything like, I mean, it might, again, it might exist outside the city, but you go there to eat, you go there to like be active and do stuff. So, uh, you now know this, so you will not go there to relax like I did and, uh, just plan your vacations, right people. Cause, uh, you know, sometimes you get a little mismatched. I still had a great time, but, uh, now you were just, planning just... to relax, but you didn't. Is that what you're saying? Yes, okay. <laughs> uh, I was. I had to forcibly relax for a little bit because I came down with something stomach related. But uh, uh, so I took a day off. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's fine now. So, all right. Well, and um, with this episode, I just want to say, Star Trek writers, if you're listening, like you of course do, we know, or or Star Trek intern who listens to all the podcasts and tells the writers when there's one to to listen to, uh, either of you, whoever's listening. Or Alex Kurtzman, because of course you listen to us. <laughs> we know you do. Uh, yeah, so Alex, uh, here's my pitch. Young Janeway series to follow Star Trek Prodigy. For real. Like just call Janeway. it Young Janeway, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it was the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, Young oh, yeah. Catherine Janeway Chronicles, between the end of her Starfleet Academy career to like the day she gets command of Voyager. Like that would be oh, so good. I think I genuinely think that would be a great episode, the, a hmm. series. Because it could be a so young awesome. adult series. Well, and they already have the autobiography of Catherine Janeway out, so the book. Yeah. So. And it's compelling. 
So I feel like you could have some cool stuff there because according to that book, like she interacts with Owen Paris and stuff. So there's like reasons to like, that it could also lead people to watch other Star Trek as well. Yeah. So like, I'm just saying this could be like a teen focused uh, Star Trek show that could be really excellent. Well, it's, I think Janeway on Prodigy has been a huge success. And it sounds like, you know, there's some rumblings that we'll get a live action Janeway uh, coming up here. So I don't think it'll be a young Janeway, but we'll be seeing more of her, I think. Perfect. Well, I was gonna gosh, say that we was got my... Kate Mulgrew, got to use her. She's awesome. I, I was just going to say the next thing is, you know, having a uh, a woman-led Star Trek show, another one would basically trigger all the, like, ah, Star Trek is too woke, people. So that's another plus. So I'm just saying, <laughs> it checks all the boxes. Um, all right. Ron DeSantis definitely is not watching that one. He, <laughs> does. he, he just lost Star a fan, Trek? Kurtzman. Does he he just watches Star, Star Trek? Trek to get angry. <laughs> He just likes Code of Honor. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, he God. just watches that one. Uh, uh, oh, my God. Oh, goodness. Okay. Okay. So does that um, mean it's... Oh, wait. Oh, who's next? I don't know who's next. You, you go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, wait, I had one, and then it went away. What was it? That's terrible. I totally had one before we started recording, so... Okay, I'll um, go, and you okay, can think go, about it. Okay, go, and I'll be thinking, okay. Uh, so I, I have a grievance. I went to a restaurant last night, and they're doing this thing where they charge, like, a service fee. And it's like, you know, are you still supposed to tip afterwards? If you are, I'm kind of feel like I'm being taken advantage of. But then, like, you know, it's just, like, very confusing, like, you know... Mm-hmm. If I know how to tip, I'm a good tipper. I can do that. Or if you want to like charge me some fee and not include a tip line on the receipt, that's cool too. But if you do both, that's really gross. I think. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so I think I think so. Some point of sale systems you can't remove the tip line. So that's the thing. And if they charge a service fee, do not tip. So yeah. sometimes the service fee is only ten percent, and then you know if you feel like the service was great and you usually do 20% or whatever you can do that like that is actually the, the norm in Mexico City where I was which is why yeah. this is on my mind uh-huh. they do 10% just about everywhere and then you dip over that if you want to yeah Interesting. yeah anyway so that's been stressing me out um <laughs> uh so uh for this episode, I mean, it was like, so I've, I think I've talked about this before, how I am the most oblivious consumer of television and movies. And I never, like, whenever somebody says, oh, like, I totally saw that plot twist coming. For me, it's always a complete surprise. I never see it coming. Um, and so this this whole season was kind of a backdoor pilot for an Academy show, it would seem. Right? So there's yeah. been, you know, rumors about, like, an Academy show coming and I thought it was going to be a live action, like CW, <laughs> like locker room mm-hmm. show. Uh, but it seems like this is is the Academy show. It would seem, um, and I thought it was. I thought it was great. I thought it was a great backdoor pilot. <clears throat> interesting. That is very mm. interesting. So basically, the rumors got like kind of got it mixed up. Well, it would seem that way, right? I mean, I. I don't know exactly what they're going to do in season two, but I think we have a decent idea. Very interesting. Very interesting. Well, I still don't know what my, what my strange new take for life was going to be. So clear. I'm just glad this year's almost over. So I'll say that that'll be good. And, um, 
I, I don't really want to do New Year's resolutions, but I think what I'm going to do this year, maybe you all can ask me about it later. I'm going to take all of the days that are given to me, like take them off. Like I had a whole bunch of days that were given to me oh, for my 20th yeah. anniversary. I, I didn't use them because I didn't even use all of my vacation days last year. And that would be, that would explain my state of mind probably in my 2022 was not like the best. So I am going to take all of my days. We're going to see if it happens, but I really, that's something I'm going to try to work on. So do you, Um, do you have a corporeal boss? Nah, I have a (laughs) congregation of bosses. (laughs) I was going to say like, you know, you have a boss, but like maybe, maybe that's why, you know, one who you could like get direct, direct connections with on demand. Um, and if you did, I feel like your boss would be telling you like, like mine does, like you have to take your days off. Oh, and they do. They do. It's just really hard. I've had something I've had to do for work almost every day this week. So, and some of it is understandable. People, people pass away. And so you have to, you know, anyway, that I'm not complaining about that kind of stuff, but it's like even the little things just because we didn't have time to do it before. So I'm here I am scrambling to get them done before the end of the year, Mm. but I'm not going to, I'm not going tomorrow because I worked Christmas day. I did the Christmas Day service, so I don't have to do Christmas. I don't have to New Year's Day, so I'll have tomorrow off. That'll be good. I'm gonna watch football games when they actually air. I'm so excited. Anyway, nice. okay. So that's my that's my strange new take for life. Is I need that's my self care that I need to do, or how to be a better me. I need to take my days that are given to me. Um, for this episode, well, I was very glad that it was much more kid appropriate. So we had to watch this episode before. We showed it to Dietrich because last week's episode was so upsetting for him. <laughs> so we watched this week's and we're like, oh, he will love this. And he did. So I was really happy that it returned to being a little more kid friendly because um, last week's episode was one of the most hopeless feeling episodes that I've seen in Star Trek. And so <laughs> it was it was nice to get, you know, some reprieve from that. Yes, yes. The the episode wasn't like, and everybody dies. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, since we're since we're gonna discuss the episode anyway, let's uh, let's let's jump in there right now. Uh, and oh, actually, I gotta read the summary from Memory Alpha because uh, you know the hardworking person who writes it up, they deserve me to <laughs> start having me read it. As the Federation hangs in the balance, the crew must make the ultimate sacrifice to save Starfleet's future. Well, this sounds like the episode that Dietrich was dreading. Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> all the kids are dead. First five minutes. The rest of the episode is just funerals. Um, Terrible. <laughs> yeah, right? Wow. Uh, I'm glad that didn't happen. Also glad that uh, Rudy's theory or Adam's theory of the, <clears throat> the kids killing the Romulans also is not like the thing that... <laughs> they didn't start the like uh, the, the supernova that destroys Romulus. Uh, that, that isn't what happened here. That wasn't the supernova. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. Okay, so speaking of which, it's done. Uh, the, the the plot of the episode got done or the plot of the last episode which is like the, the season ending plot it ended in the first five minutes so I guess my first question is what was the supernova? Well was it the ship didn't the ship make a supernova because it destroyed the protostar? Like the so actual I, protostar that was inside their you know their inside their drive? Alright so so if the 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 because the the protocol was detonated it went mm-hmm. supernova mm-hmm. all right just wanted to confirm because that whole sequence went so fast that i was like yeah. what is happening well it's kind of like how they made the killing of smaug 
happen at the beginning of the Battle of the Five Armies or whatever in uh, The Hobbit because they were like desperate to make it three movies. And I was like, why did you make it three movies? I'm so annoyed by this. Anyway, it was kind of like that. <laughs> it was like the big thing that needed to happen. They got it out of the way in the first like three minutes of the episode. It's like... Also, you couldn't do this last time so all the exactly. kids weren't terrified. Exactly. Like you had to make us suffer and be like totally beside ourselves with despair for a whole week. Uh, I mean, sorry, but this is teaching Dietrich and any other young viewers a really important lesson, which is that in Star Trek, our heroes are never actually in jeopardy. It's always a fake out. They always end up back on the bridge. It's true. It's true. So we don't need to be worried. Except (laughs) Hammer, dude. Speaking of grievances. um, Right. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So so the ship needs to go supernova. I guess hologram Janeway too. Yeah, I was gonna say. So yeah. you know, the, the ship piece. needs to go supernova. Our kids create a shuttle in the uh, in the in the fabricator. But I, I actually thought this was a kind of a neat touch that they aren't just like, oh, we can immediately make a shuttle a la Voyager. It's like, no, we got we don't have a navigation system because we need to make a shuttle quickly and we don't have time. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I thought that yeah. that 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 having that little sense of continuity that was really nice. And they didn't. Because, they didn't just make it all perfect, tied up with a bow immediately. Yes, yes. So I want to get your take on this whole hollow Janeway needing to remove herself and her final speech. What do you guys think of that? Mm. Needing to remove herself, like from the. So so basically, needing to she couldn't put herself onto the isolated right. chip. So so right. removing herself from the escape, basically, and being unable oh, right. to do that. Well, didn't she, I mean, didn't someone have to? Yeah, someone had to, but I, I just weren't, I guess I'm just trying to prompt you guys about how cool it is that Hollow Janeway basically became what the doctor was in Voyager. There, that's your prompt. I see, I see, I see. Wait, Notch, can you explain it again? I'm not following. <laughs> <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> Who's Janeway? Um, <laughs> Okay, let me get the memory alpha article up. Dramatic reading of the Catherine Jane. I article. think I'm missing an isolinear chip in my brain, and so I just <laughs> forgot. <laughs> okay, okay, yes. Well, that was. I thought it was also. I remember. Um, uh, well, no, I did appreciate that she said her her hollow program had gotten so much more complex, and that made it so that she wasn't able to save her program. And I did think it was obviously a nice homage to the doctor. Um, being from the fa- the same uh, series, um, that that was where we first experienced that happening was on Voyager, and then here we have hologram Janeway following in the footsteps. Yeah, yeah. And I I, think... I really did think of the Doctor during the whole thing. Would you say wait say that again, Notch? I, I just said I th- I really thought of the Doctor uh, when that happened. Mm-hmm. Also, I think Bill, you're on like a three second delay, so. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, it would seem so. Sorry about that. <clears throat> um, yeah, th- this is kind of an out-of-universe explanation, but it, you know, they're they're making room for Admiral Janeway next season. Yeah. Right. So they kill off the hologram. It, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, obviously the door is still open for some stuff with her in the future, with Hollow Janeway in the future because of what mm-hmm. happened. And we'll get to that in a minute. But yeah. um, 
I, I really liked in her speech specifically how she referred to growing and becoming more than her program ever could have imagined being or whatever. And I I really was hoping that we get a doctor reference. Like it reminds me of a friend that I once had or something, you know, yeah. like something like that. Yeah. It was just been like that little bit more special. But um, well, you know, the other thing that made it special, though, like even though that would have been nice, um, was that she said, I've grown because of you. Like so she attributed yeah. it to the kids. Um, so that I, I just think that's, you know, that's important for kids to hear that, you know, they that we don't just teach kids. The kids are teaching us, too, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I think I thought that was really sweet. Definitely. I think that's a really important point. And what did you guys think of the kids dealing with death sequence? So like they, when they realize what's happened. It was very sad. I had a little tear about, you know. The Tasha Yar hologram reference. <laughs> little stuff. That's true. <laughs> you know, but anyway, but it definitely, it reminded me of Tasha when they had the, um, you know, and you, and you, because she kind of had little, but although she didn't really say anything to each of the kids, she mostly said things to, it felt like she talked mostly to Jankum and to Dal. Did you notice that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I think initially she was like, oh, and Jankum is about to say blah, blah, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then shed a little bit with Dal. But yeah, I, I guess I was, I'm trying to un, get your take on what you thought about their portrayal of how people perceive death and then deal with it. Because yeah. um, we've had this in Star Trek a few other times, right? Like how main characters, I, 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 I'll, cards on the table, I do think Star Trek does this poorly most of the time. I don't think we stop to really take stock. Voyager is the best example of this. So it's like, People die left and right on the crew, apparently, and nobody cares. And uh, I think the only time that they they took a moment to like acknowledge a death is the most enraging death in the whole series, which is of um, Lieutenant Carey when they kill him off for no reason in the last <laughs> season. Yeah. Um, and so this is a, a scene where we get basically a close up on everybody's face with the kids and. I, I don't know what's like a child appropriate grief on TV, mm-hmm. so that's why I'm the, I don't want to go first. Well, I felt like, I, I don't know, I would have thought that Rock Talk would have had a stronger reaction. I mean, she kind of has a little, they they were all fairly subdued, their reactions. And I don't know mm. if that was just because in the moment, I, I don't know. It seemed rather subdued to me because they did see, they didn't see her as a hologram. They saw her as, you know, kind of their authority figure or their, like, she was kind of like a mother figure to them. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I, but I did notice, I, I mean, definitely Gwen processed it first. Now Gwen's also just had her father die right in front of her. And she, so it kind of makes sense that she might just be, she was kind of, um, detached almost. I don't know. It's kind of like she, she kind of just, a second she realized she, it seemed like she kind of drew within herself and just kind of, you know, and she was that way for the whole rest of the episode, actually. Um, really in, you know, she was kind of, um. It, very introspective. I think that's the word I'm looking for. Um, and, you know, they all kind of, they need to do a better job of drawing tears because I saw the kids wiping tears, but I never actually saw tears for the kids to wipe in the animation. So I thought that was interesting too. It's like, oh, they didn't, they weren't able to actually produce tears. But wait, they're drawing. They could have drawn the tears. But... <laughs> I, sorry, on just speaking of death and Voyager, never forget that they 
killed Harry Kim and just replaced him with some weird copy from like a parallel universe and like nobody and cared the and they just like kept on. You guys, if either of you ever dies and gets replaced with a copy from a parallel universe, I'm not accepting that imposter. I'm going to be very unwelcoming. I'll be faithful to the original. Uh, oh my goodness. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think to your point, Emily, I think that's the thing that I, I was like, what is, I, I don't know how I feel about this, only because... I think it's it's important to tell kids that it's okay to cry and mm-hmm. like to grieve somebody who passes when you lose someone important to you. And I bet the kids watching this who've like watched Hologram Janeway for like 20 episodes or whatever are going to be kind of devastated that she's gone and we don't right. get a beat to really mourn her. So I... I thought like for me as an adult, it was fine just because like I know what's happening in the background, but mm-hmm. like... Maybe I'm not giving kids enough credit, though. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. So that's why I wanted to kind of hear hear what your take was. Well, you but. know what was interesting, and I don't know exactly which piece he was referring to, but um, we just, last night, we'd recorded Dietrich's um, review of the episode for Mission Log. And um, I so we always ask what is his name, his age, if he liked the episode, what his favorite part was, and what was the lesson. And it's always hard to get the lesson out of him. Um, or what did he learn from the episode? He never knows. He's four. You know, so he, he doesn't he can't really articulate what he learned from the episode. But when we just kind of I let it be I let it be quiet for a minute and let him kind of think about it. And he said, um, sometimes you have to do things that break your heart. Mm. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. And I did I mean, I didn't prompt that response at all. But then I was trying to figure out what he meant by that. And so basically my spin was, you know, sometimes we have to do things that break our hearts, but we can still go on. Like like that doesn't stop us from from still doing the things that we need to do. You know, we can still live life and we can still move on even though our hearts were broken. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, so we kind of, but I just thought that was interesting. So clearly there's something that he that he recognized that happened in the episode, even at four, um, that he recognized that, 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 that their hearts were broken, you know, and that there was something that they had to do that was hard. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think several examples, right. They blow up the ship. Mm -hmm. They lose hologram Janeway at the end. Gwen goes off to, I mean, you know, she's going to come back in like episode two next season, but but it's still hard to say goodbye to. Yeah. 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 No, I think that's true. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. Because maybe, maybe it's the very youngest audiences of the show. Maybe they don't need an extended grieving sequence. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So. You know, yeah. the, I will say, you know who did who did a reaction to death really well? Your favorite, your favorite show. Uh, Star Trek Discovery. I think the reaction, I think... Uh, Sonequa Martin-Green acting Michael Burnham's reaction to book. That was like the best reaction to a death I've ever seen in Star Trek. So True. And then they bring him back. Well, you know. (laughs) I remember remember agreeing with you back then when we reviewed this episode, being like, wow, her acting was incredible. And then they just, it was for nothing because they just brought him back. Yeah. They're... The acting is really good on Discovery. That's not your complaint. <laughs> yeah, I think the actors do a great job, yeah, and in really general, do. maybe not a hundred percent of the time, do. but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, the they really with, do. The thing with Doctor Colbert is just so weird. 
like I don't even know what like we don't need to get into that but like <laughs> let's I don't let's even know what I'm there. supposed to feel <laughs> about that it's just like so like we have a whole season five coming up where we can have these conversations <laughs> <laughs> sorry sorry uh, we can we can go there when it's time so okay so so uh I, I, I did kind of find it a little bit I don't know if cathartic or is the right word where Dal was like always telling us she was like now go boldly yes and he's like always telling us what to do and it was kind of sweet. I like that that was sweet that was sweet and then of course we get the oh is the next season gonna be Janeway hunting for the kids marooned on a shuttle mm-hmm. but then again they just resolve that immediately yep. where we see the shuttle coming in uh to the harbor now my question to you is did you all see the serial number on the shuttles that are helping prodigy shuttle no what were i they? did not what were they we shall return to this question at the end of our podcast Ooh. okay okay i'm glad i'm glad it's gonna be surprising that y'all didn't go to reddit and read their reviews or whatever because you would have <laughs> seen this um anyway so then the kids are in court we get a courtroom scene in star trek again drumhead uh <laughs> um no good Star Trek episode would be or series would be uh, like complete without it. Uh, what what did you all think of Janeway's defense of our kids? I mean, it was it was what it was. I don't know. It was expository and kind of you know the kids show. Um, I mean, really, it, if you really want to know what I think about it, it. <laughs> Like, of course, of course, they're not going to, like, throw them in jail for saving the universe, right? <laughs> okay. But, like, the idea that they would also just, like, get into the academy without having to apply or something seems really unfair, right? Like, okay, good job. But, of course, you have to apply like a normal person. You can't just skip ahead in line, which I guess I is where they where they landed, more or less. Right. I thought that was a good touch. I thought it was like yeah. a little bit more realistic and kind of yeah. it sent the right message that, yeah, you know, you can get people to like advocate for you and like help you, but you you can't like just, it wasn't fantastical. Um, yeah. I, I guess I just enjoyed, um, and concerning the Augment, whose name you've completely forgotten, his name is Dal Rel. Dal Rel. Is he genetically engineered? Yes. Was he enhanced in every way? Look at him. That and I was, was like, burn! Oh my god! <laughs> Take the that, look, Dal. The animation on Dal's face was that was some good animation too. They had showed so many different emotions go across him in that moment. Yeah. It was pretty awesome. <laughs> like he was feeling proud of himself, and then he was like, "Oh, sick burn," you know. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, did you all were you all reminded of the courtroom scene at the end of Star Trek Four? When they're getting ready to, or, you know, they're getting ready to strip, like they said, you know, these counts against stealing a starship, blah, 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 you know, and, you know, and and anyway, so it just reminded me a lot of that scene when they demote Kirk back to captain, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean. Catching, getting them out of the water. See, I think there were a lot, I think there were some homages to the voyage home in this, in this episode. That's true. I didn't think about that. No whales, though. No yeah, whales. Yeah, there were no whales. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So, so I just want to say something briefly about how um, over the like course of the whole franchise, this issue of um, like genetic, genetically modified um, people or beings being mm-hmm. forbidden is is really interesting how they deal with it because in the original series, this is like twenty years after World War II, right? So eugenics was like a very real idea 
right, mm -hmm. to people yeah. at the time. And so in the TOS framework, it's just like banned, right? And so like, you know, there's like Khan and he's like a evil megalomaniac and, and it's just like banned, it's illegal. But then as you get into like DS9 with Bashir and then now with um, Prodigy, it I think, you know, World War II was <clears throat> whatever, 80 years ago. Um, and I think it's become a, a metaphor for um, other kinds of discrimination and oppression. So it's kind of flipped, mm -hmm. um, which is really interesting. And I think it just kind of happened naturally. Um, and I think it is, you know, that that's also like a real like bioethics dilemma that that we will yeah. actually be reckoning with as a species, you know, for sure. Yeah. So <clears throat> I think. No, Emily, were you going to say something? Oh, no, I was going to say, no, I mean, it's it's um, it's definitely something that I know is at the forefront of minds right now. So it's interesting to see how they're dealing with this in Star Trek when they are, I think, like you say, Bill, they're using it as a metaphor for other types of discrimination. But the reality is we are going to have to be asking these questions and figuring out what it what it means for people who are genetically engineered, you know, or, yeah. or genetically yeah. modified or anyway. I think I think this is the, the thing that I come to is that it's, it's actually a pretty great allegory to um, illegal immigration, right? Like mm. that, it, it's basically like when you think about the the people like Bashir or Dal, they didn't have any choice, right? They they didn't choose to be created into a right. as as an illegal quote unquote creation or whatever. Uh, it's the same way with kids whose parents take them into a situation in which they are now undocumented and they don't have a choice and they haven't like chosen to break any laws or to be where they are. Uh, it's just their circumstance and so. It would be interesting to see Star Trek use this allegory in that way explicitly. Mm -hmm. um, if they choose to go in that direction, I don't know if they will, but I think I think that one could fit particularly well. And yeah, I mean, from a bioethics standpoint, I mean, it, it's I I don't know enough about this issue, but like yeah, I do think it'd be great to be able to prevent, like, say you find the like the hypothetical gene that causes all the cancers, you know, and you could just take it out of all of humanity maybe that's a good thing. Mm. Um, but then you might find like, uh, you have the Bellana Torres situation at, in Voyager where she's like, oh, my child has, I found discrimination when I because of my ridges. I just want my child to be a different race. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. and it could, it, it just gets really, really sticky and creepy and weird and troubling very fast. So, mm -hmm. Uh, I hope Star Trek digs into it a little bit deeper as these things happen. Um, did you all catch? So okay, so so well before before we get to the the, the cameo in a, in a in a second. Uh, so Jane, you know, the courtroom scene happens. Janeway mm -hmm. comes and says, "Hey, four of you, or, or five. five of you, great." And then everyone's like, "Ah, oh, poor Dal." And Dal's like, "No, actually, it's not me." And then turns out Gwen is going home. Um, what y'all think about Gwyn's decision? And also, I'm just going to say, best uh, Vaunacat name ever, Unifar. Perfect. <laughs> Way better than the Vindicator <clears throat> and the Diviner. <laughs> Fewer syllables. So what, what y'all think yeah, of Gwyn's I mean, I... decision and this whole situation of sending her away? Yeah, I. so this um, kind of driving motivation for all the Vaunacat, that they're... Like it, 
I, it hasn't totally clicked with me, to be honest. Like, okay, they had a lot of kind of civil conflict that they somehow blamed on the Federation, and then they're all, like, obsessed with revenge or something. Okay, whatever. Um, and so this is kind of uh, Gwen's more positive take on that mission, right? So she's going to the Vaunacott homeworld to, like, get them to stop fighting or something. Um I don't know. I mean, it sets us up. So, you know, um, not to distract us too much, but, you know, next season, I guess they're going to go looking for Chakotay in the future. And Gwen will be, go at least initially, in the first few episodes, going to, the, to find the Vaunacott and help them or something. And then, of course, they'll get reunited um, probably pretty soon, I would assume. Um, so it's, it sounds like an interesting way to kind of tee things up and an interesting continuation on the plot from this season. So and I believe the Valnakar are about sixty years away from first contact with Starfleet, and then I believe sixty years. Okay, I, I think it was sixty. I um, and then they, after first contact, they go through a period of war before they come out, and that's when the Diviner and Vindicator go back. So yeah. Um, so how I'll, far I'll, in the future is Chakotay right now? Like seventy you, years, or it's about the same. Yeah. Well, maybe. maybe Hmm, interesting. Let me let me let me do a couple of checks here while we're while we're uh... because so uh, well I'll go ahead and talk about um okay so, so it's oh. so, sorry sorry to interrupt you just just I'll I'll tee you off with this so this okay. episode takes place in twenty three eighty four it says first contact in the mid twenty three eighties so first contact is coming fast it's soon yeah yeah because I was yeah. gonna say they didn't destroy themselves like within just a couple of years I got the feeling it was kind of it might have been even decades. So, like so the unraveling of of Solemn might have been decades with for the Vilnikot. I don't know. And I think that's where this the the year sixties got in my head because I think Chakotay is sixty years in the future. Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. So um I mean I I think obviously Gwyn's mission is a noble one because she wants to try to find a way to um to achieve what her to achieve the I will see. She's trying to find a way to save her people without destroying another group of people, right? In order mm -hmm. to, you know, so she's trying to find another solution for that. Um, and, but I'm also, I'm, I am very intrigued by the fact that, you know, she's, her father's still out there. That is, you know, it's like, oh yeah, that's right. He is still out there. Um, and so what that could be an interesting, I don't know. Any, there's just some interesting things that can happen with that. But then also, do you end up not having a Gwyn ultimately? Because if Gwyn is able to convince them to not seek revenge against the Federation or Starfleet in order to save their people, or to, I guess they really can't save their people. Um, their people have pretty much destroyed themselves, but they're just going to go on this mission of vengeance. Um, if they don't do that, Gwyn won't actually exist. First of all, that's a good point. <clears throat> don't think too hard about time travel. It always gives me a headache. <laughs> hey, okay, Janeway. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Um, yeah. I, I was stuck on what if Gwyn is her own grandmother? Um, yeah. Yeah. There you go. Take that. Uh, that would be a great paradox. Um, I think also. I have a feeling they're not going to deal with that part. I think it's just going to be yeah. basically like, it's it's a different universe. Uh, because when 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 the diviner arrived, he created a different universe, and so you know, it's well, just they different. Kind of, they even made a comment 
when they're talking about the what happened when um, hologram Janeway flew the you know it went into the proto jump or whatever you call it um, right. and then uh, blew up the ship at the same time that she created an alternate stream or they even made some comment that there is some sort of that made me think there's now we have now have two parallel yeah. timelines going. My my thing that I'm wondering about is so if they found Chakotay, they're gonna try to track down Chakotay and they go 60 years in the future. What if this basically becomes Gwyn as an adult now meeting the kids? You know, like she's 60 years older. Uh, oh, and if if that, that happens, you know, um, interesting. <laughs> yeah. So, so that was one possibility, but I think Bill, something you mentioned earlier, which is like, maybe she's just going to show up again in episode two and just be back in the crew as such again. That could be interesting too. I think she's a very compelling character, so I hope mm -hmm. we don't lose her. I think Ella Purnell has played her really well. So, Speaking um, of Ella Purnell, per Ella Purnell, right? Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you all watched The Ready Room after, but um, they, the only, they, they just had, they had Kate Mulgrew, Ella Purnell, and... Um, Brett Gray. Mm -hmm. They, so obviously they're going to draw Janeway. Like we know what Janeway looks like in live action, right? So obviously they are trying to make her look like Janeway. Um, but actually Dal and Gwyn look like the actors who play them. I didn't, really? I didn't, I didn't notice it until, cause I had seen them in things before, but there was just something about that. I think they just, I think there was such an exceptional job done with the animation of the kids' expressions, especially in this last episode. Mm. And I maybe would have noted, maybe in other episodes too, but there was just something about this episode that I just really noticed a lot of variants of, of emotions going on along their faces, like the unspoken things that were happening. Um, so it was just really good animation as far as that goes. But um, I just noticed that you could, I could totally see them doing a makeup on Brett Gray or on Ella Purnell to have them look like their characters, and it would be pretty cool. Like, I think they could play hmm. them in a live-action setting. And the other thing, this is just about animation that I was noticing, and I noticed this when Hologram Janeway sat down on the captain's chair right before she engages the proto-drive. They totally did a phenomenal job animating her hands so they look like Kate Mulgrew's hands. Really? Like, and, and Kate Mulgrew has really beautiful hands. Like, I mean, and I, I noticed that in Voyager because she, she uses her hands a lot. She, she's very touchy, you know, she touches people and, and they just, anyway, she has really nice hands. And I just noticed the way, and even like the color of her nails, that's always the color her nails were on Voyager. But um, it's kind of just like a real soft pink, but she had her... She had her hand on the console or something, and I was like, "Wow, that like they actually drew Kate Mulgrew's hands. At least it looks like." And I was watching her in the ready room, and she was talking with her hands in the ready room, and her hands still look like that. Like anyway, I just thought that was really good animation, also. Okay, so so Gwyn jets off into the distance, and then we get this like montage sequence where there's a cameo. Did you all catch it? Was there a cameo no. by May Jemis or what's her name? I, I wondered if the um if the the officer that came in what's her name who she was an astronaut she was on TNG she was an episode of T TNG uh, who came in and said the kids are back or something uh, and I was like hey they should have I wonder if they were gonna try I don't know if they named her when she was in the TNG episode was she just at the at yeah the transporter I don't I don't I see anybody saying. We, we don't find out who that was. I don't okay. see that, at least in um, 
in Memory Alpha, but there is a named character played by a prominent Star Trek personality who turns up in this episode. Can any of you guess, even even if you can just tell me like who you think it might have been, I can't tell you who it is. Is it the person who was talking to Rock Talk? Bingo. Because the way, it was something very, um, I don't know, they just focused on her so much. I'm like, I, and I meant to look up who it was, and I didn't. But yeah, so who was that? Dr. Aaron McDonald, science advisor to Star Trek. Nice, nice. Who, who is that? I was trying to, because I've listened to her in interviews, and so, so I was like, I, I knew I heard her voice before. Oh, it's, it's like so, a real so world she, person. Yeah. Yeah. So she's the physicist okay. who who advises Star Trek, and she's been in a bunch of like if you follow Star Trek on social media, like she makes videos about the science of Star Trek. Since the Kurtzman takeover, she's been pretty prominent. Um, in I think terms she does of, all the shows, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. She's a consultant to all of them. So, um, she's a pretty awesome lady, and like uh, like you can you can find some really great content that she's made about Star Trek. So anyway, she is now canonized as existing in the twenty three eighties. So. Sorry, Aaron, you don't get to do all the cool stuff in the post-burn Star Trek. You missed out. Um, you're stuck now in this time period. Enjoy being on Picard season three, um, I guess. Anyway. Um, so, hey, if you had to be like stuck in one time period in Star Trek, which would you pick? Man, I, I'm tempted to say like TOS era. Because there's just okay, lots okay, of yeah. like... Let, 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 me, let me change this a little bit. <laughs> say the creators of Star Trek come to you and say, you, uh, you the character with your name and your likeness is going to be in one like era of Star Trek. So it's not, you don't get to experience it as a person. Definitely not but, TOS. But yeah, your version <laughs> of the person is now like stuck in that timeline. So they can't go to any of the other sh like timelines. Where would you want your version to be stuck? I'm confused. Is this me? Am I like... No, no. Can this it be is, in the start? Is, it's just is, somebody who's like me, but I'm not yeah, actually yeah. So experiencing they were like, it. Yeah, they're like, we're going to give you a character who looks like you and is like you, but you have to now put them in only one time. You can't, you can't, they can't have Bill, Bill Boy Ward in like all the different versions of Star Trek, right? Like, so you're stuck in one timeline. So only shows that occur in that timeline can feature your like cameo. Which would you pick? I don't know. Probably a DS9 Dominion War. Mm. Any know. reasoning? It's awesome. Get to get to hang out with Worf. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Emily, you got to pick. Uh, I guess I'm gonna pick Voyager. So you'd want to be on the crew of Voyager as a cameo? Yeah, because oh. I can help the um, can help keep up the the Bechtel. Uh, passing the test, the passing the Bechtel test. <laughs> I could be talking to another woman on the, on the ship, not about a man. You, um, you wouldn't be in any other shows though, because for like seven years you'd be stuck somewhere else. So they no, no, this would be towards the end DSN. of it. So it's right, right before they come back, and then I can be a part of all of the universes. Ah, I like the logic there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What do you think, Notch? Um, what about you? I'm gonna go offbeat, you guys. I want to be part of the Enterprise, like timeline because i think it's it's a it's it could be a really interesting like time to mine especially now as space exploration ramps up again in our real world i feel like there's more potential for like a series in that era mm. and so i think it would be kind of cool to 
to to be like wearing those like flight suit type start fleet uniforms uh for my character to be doing that uh and like ball caps and stuff i do like the i do like the enterprise jumpsuits i think they're yeah. cool looking exactly and then for halloween i could wear them every time it would be less like you know of a chore to be walking around in those because i wouldn't have to like but match boots and stuff but the question is do you have to get uh frosted tips like tucker and uh captain archer in the first season <laughs> that might be a requirement i i'm sorry to say basically my character is stuck in like the early bush years of uh pop culture <laughs> <laughs> all right all right all right okay okay getting getting back to our sequence so i thought you know it is really cool i think bill as you mentioned earlier it's really cool the kids don't immediately become like starfleet officers but they also don't get to jump the line into the academy so they're kind of like apprentices uh and we get a little bit of like a sequence of watching you know jenkum uh about to do some percussive maintenance when he actually changes his arm into doing some sort of like tool and then fixes something. And then Rock Talk gets advice from Aaron McDonald to become a, is it a biophysicist? Xenobiologist. 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 I got that completely wrong. And so we get, we get a little, you know, montage of some cool stuff. And then the kids are talking to Janeway on the steps of the Starfleet command building, I guess. Mm-hmm. And a, they find out that the Protostar is now an entire series of ships, and they have a conversation with with Janeway. Do you recall the content of said conversation? They, she says that they're going to have something better than the Protostar, or something even better, because they're like, "Oh, is this our new ship?" And she goes, "We've got something even better," or, or something to that effect. She says, "Oh, I have a much bigger plan for us." Hmm. So, and we know that she has now committed earlier in the show when she was talking to, I think, Commander Tyrese. She's like, I am going to go and find Chakotay. Like, that's going to be my mission for the next few years. So we know that's what the show is going to do, probably, presumably. Do you know what that ship is or do you have any theories about it? And this is where our question about that sh- those shuttles that ah. oh, is going to come in. <clears throat> No idea. So the shuttles had a registry number that match another ship? I'm not telling. I, I want to hear no. your theories. I want to hear what you think is. I mean, what what is there in this era? There's an Enterprise E, I guess. There's the Titan, the first Titan, I guess. That's all is I can think of. What do you think they're going to do, though? Like, what what do you think that they're going to they're going to like, what do you want them to do? Okay, whatever. Well, Either I, way. Well, I'm assuming that they're going to try to go find Chakotay. On the Dauntless? So they're going to be doing something. They need to be doing some uh, time travel. I guess they can do it through that wormhole, right? Hmm. Which is probably where Gwyn and Duanakot come in is because they have time travel technology. Well, the right. Defiant's really good at going through wormholes. <laughs> Would be the U.S.'s Defiant. But then she'd be a, like, have like, a, oh, I have a much smaller plan Is it the plan new Voyager? Do no, they no, have no. a new Voyager? But, 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 but if it was the Defiant, she'd say, I have a much smaller plan for her. And then Worf would be like, smaller? And... <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. So, um, the numbers on that shuttle, on those shuttles were USS 74656-A. So it's Voyager A. Aha. You know, that's funny because... Um, 
Uh, Will Wheaton was asking Jane or Janeway asking Kate Mulgrew. Um, I mean, they're the, the same. At this point, she should just change her name legally. <laughs> so they were talking about, uh, you know, he says, I have I just want to find out if this is like something that everyone feels who's been an, as a Star Trek actor. He's like, I have a very strong allegiance to the Enterprise. Like, that's my ship. That's, you know, what I feel. And she says, oh, absolutely. Voyager is where I became a captain. It's where I, you know, where anyway. So she's like, absolutely Voyager. So that's interesting that she they were talking about that. And those uh, ships had a registry number for Voyager. I mean, it makes sense, right? Like, why would you put Janeway onto a show and not put her in the chair for Voyager? Well, and we know that, see, I was thinking, I was reflecting on this because I started listening to the autobiography of uh, Catherine Janeway yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, and the forward is by uh, Naomi Wildman. And, hmm. you know, uh, Captain Janeway actually does have an affinity for taking people under her wing, even children, and treating them um, with respect and taking them seriously and not just um, patronizing them, you know, like she, Very you know, catch. like uh, Naomi was her, she called herself, you know, she was the assistant to the captain, you know, and a little bit, you know, a little tongue yeah. in cheek, but still she, she took her seriously and she, uh, Naomi felt like the captain listened to her and, and um, thought that what she had to say was important. And she did the same thing with, um, you know, I mean, she ended up having how many of the board, I mean, the board kids didn't stay, just one of them stayed. But mm-hmm. anyway, so there's a, um, there's a precedent that's been set. So the other thing that having the 74656A does is that it gets us a potential for other uh, cameos by Voyager mm-hmm. actors too. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'll be honest, I'm going to be very disappointed if the doctor isn't on that ship. Uh <laughs> I, I think Robert Picardo could should be brought back for a voice. Like, he's purpose-built for a voice acting role. Heck, you could even put him in live action. But, like, he is so... He'd do so well as, oh, yeah. like, a prickly, like, character that the kids could, like, bounce off of, you know? Oh, my gosh, that'd be hilarious. Like, Jenkin Pog interacting with the Doctor. Well, you know, they already... Actually, the Hageman brothers said this on the... Um, when they were talking about next season, we're going to see a lot of people that we know. So they actually made a comment about that. They didn't say who it was going to be, but that makes that makes even more sense now. Yeah. And, and the Doctor is just great. I think the mm-hmm. Doctor is the best character from Voyager. Um, Very good character. So much fun. Yeah. So deep. Like, you know, so layered. So much development. <clears throat> hmm His program is too big to fit on an isolinear chip. Just yeah, like basically he, he says that to the kids and the kids all have PTSD and like... <laughs> Then they have their big, strong emotional reaction to the yeah. loss of Janeway. Um, I I will cry nostalgic tears the second the new Voyager comes, if that is indeed what happens. <laughs> I, am, yeah. I, I was like, that was maybe the most excited I have been about Star Trek in a long time. And I've been very excited about Star Trek the last couple of years. So I was, the ending of this episode really left me in a very happy place. Um, so did you notice the registry numbers before you saw it on Reddit? Did you catch it when you're watching the episode? I, I got that there were numbers. I didn't. I was like, let's go back and look at it later. I did ah, okay. not actually like, but I, as soon as the episode was over, because I was so happy because like, ah, come on, I have a bigger plan. Of course, it's Voyager. I knew it was going to be Voyager. So I right. went online and I was like, let's see what people are saying. I want to read the reviews. And oh, then someone yeah. Yeah, pointed out. Yeah, okay. 
So, and I was like, yes, this sounds nice, like it. Nice. Uh, it also sounds like Commander Tyrese might be back next year, which is really good. I think David mm-hmm. Diggs makes a fantastic addition to the Star Trek universe. Um, I'm very happy about that. Is yeah. that the Andorian? Yep, yep. Um, and b- I think, have I had this conversation with either of you about David Diggs? Do you mm-hmm. guys know who that is? From Hamilton? Yeah, he plays Thomas Jefferson in Hamilton. Mm-hmm. So, great actor. Mm-hmm. Amazing. I'm really, really excited to have that. Uh, hope Jason Alexander comes back as, as Dr. Noom. <laughs> it's so interesting how much they are embracing the Tellarites in these new um, versions of Star Trek because they totally did not do anything with Tellarites for uh, most of the 90s. I, but, well, I guess they had Tellarite. We see Tellarites in Enterprise, but there yeah. aren't Tellarites in um, in the no. three other series from the 90s. I think it's pretty much like Andorians and Tellarites just cease to exist between the mm-hmm. original series and Enterprise, basically. Right, because yeah. the makeup. Yeah, yeah. No, it makes sense. Um, I I am excited about Prodigy Season 2. Um, before we end here, why don't, why don't have we have a few words about this season as kind of a recap? What did y'all think of... Because... I mean, technically, it's two seasons, but we're not gonna we're not gonna go there. We're just gonna say it was one complete season and leave it at that. Um, what what did y'all think? Well, I thought it was fantastic. I mean, they kind of proved the concept, right? That you could make an animated kids show that's smart, that's serialized, mm-hmm. um, that where the writing is as good and and and, and honestly, in a lot of ways, better than um, the adult shows writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it re- weaves in kind of existing canon and I think a pretty pretty artful way. It's still a little bit heavy-handed, but that's probably always going to be the case with um, Star Trek going forward. So, yeah, I just I just think it was a huge success. Where no, would you, I, yeah, go, oh. ahead. Hmm? go ahead, Emily. Oh, no, I say I, <clears throat> I thought it was a great season. Um, I And especially I, I really like the way they've ended it with Janeway. Um, Because I was a little worried. They fixed it a couple of episodes ago, but I was a little worried uh, early on in this season, especially when they were when they were describing who the not nemesis, but maybe antagonist or I don't know um, for that. The kids were going to be trying to escape or or uh, void was going to be Janeway instead of the diviner. And I was like, I don't don't know how I feel about that. Um, You know, (laughs) I want Janeway to be the good guy. Um, and, And she was. Uh, so I, I really appreciate what they did with her. I felt like they were true to her character. And so I really appreciated that. And I think they gave good growth to the kids. I think all the kids had growth. They really, I, I appreciated the way they stuck with, um, Dal's commitment to make sure that his friends were going to be able to benefit even if he couldn't. And I thought that was huge growth for that character. And I'm glad they stuck with that, um, even through this last episode for that little moment when he thought maybe he wasn't going to be allowed to be one of the, I can't remember what she called him, the, the, uh, uh, warrant the officers officer. in training or something. Yeah. <laughs> warrant officer. So, so I, I've called this the, my, one of the best Star Treks that's ever been previously. And I think I'm still going to stick with that. I'd love to hear where y'all rate the series in the Star Trek continuum and among the, these new Star Trek shows. I think that's my next question to you, but let's hold that for just a minute. Um, I think if I have to like 
say why, I think there's a couple of things. Number one, I think for me, I had such low expectations for this. Um, I really was like, oh my god, a kid show on Nickelodeon in Star Trek. This is gonna be awful. It's gonna be a train wreck, and I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it, but it's it's gonna be the worst Star Trek. Which hey, Discovery, good for you. You've just oh. got knocked off your perch. Um, but it, that's not what happened. Sorry, I have to get a dig in there. I feel bad now. I shouldn't like you know. Yeah, I'm really shaking your head at me. I deserve it. I really do. Um, anyway, I really my expectations were very low, and this really knocked me on my butt in terms of where I should set my expectations at Star Trek because they did such a great job. I'm not saying that it's because my expectations were low that this show was good. I'm just saying that it was very unexpected in some ways still. Um, but that also, it's it set a new bar for me with what Star Trek can be. I think the other thing about it is their inclusion of Janeway is so powerful for me because, I, I mean, there's so many people out there, especially like, I mean, you see a lot of the women that are involved in Star Trek who have been Trekkies themselves saying like, hey, Janeway was my first like captain that I watched. She inspired me to get into science or whatever. And I, I mean, that's the same way it was for me growing mm -hmm. up. Like Janeway was the first captain that I watched every week. And so to see her back on screen is such a heartfelt like I bet some people get this with Picard who grew up on TNG. It's just so special. To see her up there and to hear Catherine or Kate Mulgrew like voicing her again. And it's just, it feels like that's why the end of this episode in particular, where she's implying there might be another Voyager, I'm just like filled with joy. Yeah. Um. So I think that really did it for me. I think those two things, I think the quality of the voice acting has been amazing throughout. Mm -hmm. I think, I think the personnel, like, and this is the thing you can say this across all of Star Trek is that the actors are unbelievable. And that's mm -hmm. Prodigy is no exception. And I think this the season having this kind of cohesive theme and this show taking its own unique approach to episode by episode where they, they sometimes took it kind of slow and they didn't give us too much development. I think it worked really well. So I think the season personally was a great success as well. Just for my money, I'm saying this and Strange New Worlds are kind of a tie in the best mm -hmm. new Star Trek series. Um, uh, in the Star Trek all-time rankings, I might have to put this one as the second best Star Trek. Or even maybe, like, I, I still haven't decided where Strange New Worlds sits in relation to DS9. But I think it might be DS9 and then these two. Um, but I'm not sure. And now Rudy's going to come get me because I didn't say Voyager. <laughs> no, it's it's good. I mean, I, I was going to put, um, I have, uh, as far as New Trek goes, Strange New Worlds and uh, and Prodigy are the are up there for sure. Bill, you got you got something for us? Yeah, I mean, if if I had to, it's well, two things. So one, it's it's really hard for me to um, like rank order the new shows with the old ones. Because yeah. television is just so different now it than is. it was in the 90s. And the, the, like the model is different. And so it's, I mean, I could do it, but it, it is kind of difficult. Um, but I think for me, if I had to rank order the new shows, I think it would literally be by premiere date. So let's see if this works. So I think Discovery is the worst. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and then... Picard would come next, then Lower Decks, then Prodigy, then Strange New Worlds, right? That's how I would rank them. And I think that's how they premiered. So it's like a really good mm -hmm. sign. They're I mean, that the shows keep getting better and better. And I think 
I think they are learning, right? Kurtzman and all the creatives who um, staff Star Trek are learning based on the experience of prior shows. This is my uh, not quite weekly, but maybe monthly or six monthly reminder that when I make fun of Discovery, it's because I want it to be a better show. I actually, when people come out there and bash Discovery online, I jump in and kind of say something good about it yeah. uh, to defend it because I, I don't like blind hate. I We've talked about how the actors are great. There is There are Discovery episodes I enjoy. Sometimes it's just a little bit of fun. Uh, so this is, you know, for the Star Trek intern, uh, just no, I'm not a, I'm not a hate hater. Okay, I, yeah. So sorry, Discovery. <laughs> you're also a Star Trek show. Uh, okay, all right. Let's go to rankings. Uh, you'll have two ranks to give me: one for this episode and one for the entire season. So stick your necks out and give me those strange new rankings. Hmm. Ratings, ratings. I don't know why I'm saying rankings. Ratings. Hmm. I I think this episode was really good um as you guys suggested the plot kind of wrapped up within like the first few minutes and then they there's a lot of breathing room there's a lot of opportunity in like the second two-thirds of the episode maybe to kind of reflect on that to process some emotions and also get the chess pieces set up for next season i mean i actually liked that that it didn't just kind of the climax resolved and then you know credits um so I don't know. I mean, I, like I'd say like an eight or nine, I'll say 8.5. Um, and I'd probably for the season. Um, yeah, I'd probably say the same. I'll say 8.5 for the season. <clears throat> I think I'll do a 4.5 for the episode um, because I, I, I actually really appreciating that new Star Trek is not doing cliffhanger um, season finales for the most part. I guess Lower Decks kind of had a cliffhanger um, after their first season, but um, kind of. But I like that they're wrapping things up and that they're taking time to do it. Just like you said, like, it's not like, ooh, oh, and then two seconds to make it all better. You know, like they actually, they took some time with it. Um, so I appreciated that. So I'll give this episode a 4.5. Um, and for the season, you know, I almost feel like it deserves a five out of five because I think there have just been, a. I mean, it was 20 episodes long. We have not had a 20 episode season of Star Trek since, uh, you know, a long time ago, uh, early 2000s. And, um, and every, I think every episode was strong. I think there was maybe one or two that I was like, eh, but I think on the, on the whole, I mean, for us to be able to say that about a first season of Star Trek is pretty phenomenal. So I'm going to give it a five out of five for the, for the season. Uh, the reason Emily was wobbling my head while you were talking about Lower Decks and having a, a cliffhanger is because like, mm -hmm. not because it wasn't a cliffhanger. Well, very much was, you're right. I was more wobbling my head like, do you really care about what happens at the end of like a Lower Decks Lower cliffhanger? Decks. It's like the investment <laughs> level is quite low. I mean, not because yeah, it's bad. Sure. It's just because it's, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's a funny show. Like, you right, know, nothing's right. like, anyway, uh, yeah. that's what I was wobbling my head. Um, I'm going to give this episode eight because it made me feel happy inside. I, uh, I'm going to give this a 10. Uh, it, it is so hard, we've said this before, to get a first season of Star Trek good, mm -hmm. let alone just yeah. right. And I would put this on a on a very good pacing. And so yeah. definitely deserves it in my, my account. Same rating I gave Strange New World season one as well. So Good times. All right. Well, before I jump into the credits, well, actually, this could be part of the credits. 
thanks for talking about Star Trek for another year with me, you guys. It's fun. <laughs> this is like it the is best fun. the best thing in the world. Also, thanks Alex Kurtzman, I guess, for the Star Trek, but no, more thanks to you two. Less to him. Um it's it's just fun to be able to get together and just have some fun talking Trek with friends each week. Uh, it's oh, especially sure. having such great Trek to talk about where we can have discussions about bioethics and all this stuff. It's a good time, and I hope we have much more in 2023. So happy New Year, you guys, and thanks for joining me. Yeah, happy New you, Year, Alex. thanks. Happy New Year. Yeah, Adam and Rudy. No thanks to you. Okay, moving. <laughs> just kidding. All of them go see you guys as well. Um, and thanks to your listener for making us a part of your listening rotation. We always appreciate uh, that you that you make time to listen to us rant on and on about Star Trek. Even though sometimes I get carried away with the Discovery jokes. And also thank you, Jishnu Gua, for recording our theme music. And special thanks this week to. The USS Voyager A, because you exist and you're coming to us next season. I'm going to manifest you right here, right now. So there we go. All right. Uh, we're going to take a few weeks off from the show. So we'll probably come back somewhere towards the end of January. We're going to do some TNG episodes in preparation for Picard season three. So watch out for that. We'll see you when we see you. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye.